What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the 50 Plus One Football Show, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We're back after a week away due to work commitments, but we will start this episode with the sad news that Kay Bernstein, the Hertha Berlin ultra-turned-president, died suddenly at the age of 43. So both of us here sending our thoughts and prayers to everyone connected with him. Sadly, our episodes have started with a little bit more somber news, but at the end of the day, two very influential people where German football, at least, is concerned, passing, leaving us. Um, obviously, yes, Kai Bernstein's death was about a week ago, but we could not talk about it, as Billy said, due to work commitments. Um, nice little touch by the Berlin Ultras having a... Um, march through the streets of berlin in honor of their deceased president um i think it's a little bit sad because also or i I say a little bit sad it's obviously extremely sad but it also has that you know extra harsh note of you know he was the president who a lot of people hoped would turn things around at hertha berlin obviously because um you know he wasn't one of those investor type guys or it was just a bad run of presidents up until then for Hertha Berlin. And, you know, especially with that extra new, as they say it in Germany, that fresh wind that you get with a different type of hire, especially when he was, you know, a former ultra who was in the stands for, you know, probably the last 30 odd years. But yeah, extremely sad news still, I think, felt by a lot of uh, fans from Hertha Berlin. Moving on from the death of Kai Bernstein, we will still be having a look at the topics that were freshest in the Premier League and the Bundesliga, starting off with Ivan Toni being back with a bang, scoring on his comeback after being banned for sports betting for eight months and then we will move over to the bundesliga where the woes are creeping back in again at bayern they lost one nil at the last weekend in a home game to Werder Bremen, something that hasn't happened since 2008 by the way mesut Özil was in a bremen shirt the last time bremen won in munich that should give you a little idea and then we will also be moving over to the woes of leipzig a very woe heavy portion in the Bundesliga but Leipzig are having an up and down season so far and now they've started off 2024 with two losses all that and more right after this well you said it in the intro Ivan Tone is back from his ban uh, that he was given for his betting scandal against Nottingham Forest he scored a free kick he did move the ball, a bit of a dubious moving of the ball. It wasn't a, a great amount of moving, so we won't dwell on it. Yeah, too but I much. mean, I can see why some people might be a little bit annoyed about the fact that he moves the ball about 10 centimeters forward. I mean, I know that sounds really sarcastic, but um, uh, no, I mean, he moved the ball a little bit. Yeah. If, um, technically, if the ref, ref spots it, then you can't or he can't be all too pissed. And if he makes him, you know, put it back, um, maybe even books him for doing so, you never know. But yeah, I think getting hung up on it too for too long is maybe, you know, let's leave that. But the thing I take 
umbrage for. And it's fantastic to see him back. Like, don't get me wrong. It's good to see him back. But the Undertaker, you know, return. Exactly. The 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 hype, the fanfare around it, you know, Sky did a big interview, which is fair enough because he's been out for so long. But you know, uh, Brentford put out a picture that made it look like he was, you know, he'd been, you know, wrongfully sentenced to this ban. When okay, yeah, he's okay, he claims he had a gambling addiction, which again is something we've spoken about before in a previous episode. Yeah, and the the problems that football has with a betting culture, you know, the sponsor of Brentford, Hollywood Bets, you know, they're sponsored by a betting company. He played most of his career in the Sky Bet Championship and Sky Bet League One. So there's problems with that anyway, but the he broke the rules at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And was rightfully punished for it. But then you've got a player in David Brooks at Bournemouth who was fighting cancer for 16 months came back to to play again came back to score again and there was considerably less fanfare than there has been for Ivan Tony like i said look it's i don't want pe- this to i don't want people to think this is me saying i don't think he should play football again because he clearly should play football again he ma- he made a mistake he broke the rules he made a mistake he made several mistakes but <laughs> i was about to say wasn't it in total like over a hundred bets placed between yeah, 2017 it, and 2021 it wasn't an insignificant amount <laughs> a little bit but he's he's now been punished so that's as far as i'm concerned as long as he doesn't do it again that's done yeah but i don't think there should have been that much hype or like i said fanfare around the whole thing i don't know if your if your views differ on that uh, i don't know i think you can I think I think the 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 notion is that, in a sense, if you look at sports betting and and the ban on it, it's it's one of those things where at least for me, it's a little bit less of an infraction, so to speak. Like I get why you know sports betting shouldn't be done by um, by athletes, especially if it's um, to do with you know where it, it can have any links to match fixing, which obviously it can go very quickly. Like I, I 100% agree with that. On the other hand, he's doing something that, you know, every normal person or every normal football fan, I say normal, but you know, most football fans will have placed a bet at some point in their lives. Um, which is why I'm thinking, you know, it's something that's only legal for him because he's a professional footballer. Um, so I think that's it's it carries that connotation that you know for normal people it's okay, but because he's a professional footballer, he's not allowed to place bets. It's kind of that thing that some people might have an issue with or might think, you know, okay, come on, he's just put he's just placing bets, like let's not make too big of a deal out of this. But then he gets an eight-month ban where I think there have been Premier League footballers uh, you know accused of abuse. And they've received less. I think it's the whole connotation of the fact that sports betting gets a heavier ban than you know more egregious infractions, which should be elite, which are illegal for you know every man, not just a professional footballer. In that sense, I don't know. Th- does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like I kind of rambled on about it a little bit, but no, no, that that is fine and. You talk about the abuse, and in 2012, uh, Luis Suarez was given an eight-match ban for racist comments towards Patrice Evra. 
exactly so I mean, you look at you look I, I get it you look at the disparity between the two and you say look you even make them both as bad as that because you can't make them both quite lenient i think you have to ban them for a similar time you have to raise the rest up to meet the betting level but yeah i, I mean I, th I think the i think the whole betting thing is is like yeah yeah i still get why but you know for me i think a format a four-month ban would have would have done the trick i don't know that that might just be me but you know like you said suarez for racial abuse gets an eight match ban and not an eight month ban and racial abuse should just be illegal period but you know sports betting is something that every football fan is allowed to do without any ramifications and you know a premier league player gets sanctioned eight months for it that's kind of i think the notion which is why some people might even go as far as to say he was you know to some extent wrongfully uh wrongfully banned for the length that he was you know they they would have understood maybe a shorter ban or uh, a heavier fine or something like that but they didn't understand the the length of the ban which is why i think people were quicker to raise the fanfare um for someone who technically still broke the rules than maybe they normally would have done I don't know. I take no issue with the length of the ban. Uh, the, the other thing that I thought was a little bit, I don't know, not in great taste was in the Sky interview that he did. He sort of doubled down on his desire to play for a bigger team, like one of the big teams, which is fair, which is fine. You don't do that after you were just but not, <laughs> not after Brentford have stood by you for eight months. Exactly. You know, do that in the summer, perhaps, or do that you know, give it some time, not the day before your anticipated return. If I was a Brentford exec, I would have felt that that was a slap in the face, not being funny. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone at Brentford will have illusions of the fact that they're not one of the top six teams in the Premier League. Still, it's, 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 you know, it's the principle. Like you just said, th this club has stood by you for so long, and um, you know, it was at the end of the day still it was his mistake and the club stood by him said we're not going to release the player or anything even though he's um not eligible to play for us for for eight months um they they did you know the most that any club could do in that situation so i think you know like you said have a little class wait maybe till the summer who knows if he performs he might even get a bigger move this coming summer you never know but uh, yeah have a little bit more class at the end of the day well this is very very true but do let us know what your opinions on the ivan Turney situation are is it a good thing that there was such a fanfare around it or do you like lewis think that the ban should have been lower for the crime committed before we talk bundesliga we will just quickly talk about Jaden sancho he's made a lone move back to Borussia Dortmund two years after that £70 million move to Manchester United. The move that was hotly anticipated took two transfer windows to get done. Never really worked out. I think it's only really that game against Liverpool at the start of last season where anything close to what we saw at Dortmund uh, was on full display. I take 
great issue with the way he himself has handled it because like, it's okay having disagreements with the manager. I'm not saying you have to see eye to eye on everything, but when a manager gives you three months off in the middle of a season to get your fitness together and get your head right, I think you probably owe them a bit more respect than he showed to Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag stood firm as well, probably could have been a little bit softer on the stance, didn't have to, you know, make him have his lunch brought to him in a lunchbox and ban him from the first team canteen perhaps. But that relationship seems pretty broken beyond repair. He's now yeah. back in Dortmund, assist on his debut. Always going to happen. A penalty one in his second game. Two so games for an assist again. Technically another assist. An aggregate score of 7-0 in those two matches. Is it a case of keeping a player like Sancho happy? And are or is Dortmund the place where he feels he's happiest? I definitely class him as one of those players. You you have him all the time. You know, you've got your Harry Kane's who can probably function in any environment and still produce top top performances. But you also have those players like your Jaden Sancho's, like your um, Neymar's, like even Leroy Sané, for instance, who are a little more sensitive. They they require a little bit more, you know, the the velvet glove treatment from the manager. Um, they they need to feel that they that that they're in the best possible atmosphere to perform that everyone around wants them to do well there and just wants them to to play it the best they can and isn't going to harp on about every single little thing that they do and for me i think you know his disciplinary issues were never made into that big of a spectacle as they were in england um Sancho's definitely had managers at Dortmund who love what he does and love what he brings to a team more than Eric Ten Hag. Um I will say I definitely agree with you that he could have shown a bit more um just a bit more thanks to Eric Ten Hag for someone who was like, yeah, you know, get your head right, get your fitness up. Um I'll still be there for you when you when you when you get back to form. That's not something every manager does. But I'm also definitely, you know, and we've we've talked about this at length, but I think Eric Ten Hag's treatment of Ronaldo and Eric Ten Hag's treatment of Sancho at some point have gone a little bit too far. I understand wholeheartedly the, you know, the notion that Sir Alex Ferguson back in the day um kind of installed at Manchester United which was no one is bigger than the club that is 100% legit I I fully behind that but there's a difference between saying there's no one bigger than the club and making enemies of multiple players who are probably the ones to get your your team the results that they need and I just think that you know he's like you said, he just went too far with the whole thing. And if we're being honest, just take a look at, you know, all the Instagram comments that were under that move. Um, half of the world's footballing elite commented, like, as if he basically just got out of jail. 
and um you know he come the the first videos of him at like him saying basically it's like coming home um whereas Marco sitting uh, I want to sit right next to him um he gets the number 10 shirt at Dortmund right away it's little things it's little things like that and I think if you know you're Manchester United you probably should be looking at the way they've been treating Sancho maybe thinking maybe we try and give him a little bit more fanfare when he when he comes back I'm not I'm not talking you know like the 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 fanfare of you know when because when the move was was finally through United definitely gave him the big warm welcome but I'm talking about individuals at the club namely Eric Ten Hag maybe he should be thinking a little bit more about the whole treatment of Sancho thing I don't know if there's any way back right now um but one thing I don't want to sound too big of like a conspiracy theorist here but there's a reason United didn't give Dortmund a buy option. And if Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho are never going to find a way back to each other, and Sancho is definitely, you know, they, they're gunning for Sancho to come back reinvigorated at the end of the season, does that mean Ten Hag's days are numbered? Well, we'll have to see what happens when the Ineos uh, part ownership is ratified. But one thing I did just want to mention before we move on to the problems at Bayern Munich is Hans-Joachim Watzke. We spoke yeah. about him not running for president again, and he's going to be gone in the end of 2024. But he came out, and Ralph Ranić said it as well. Well, we never had any issues with with Jaden when I was at Manchester United. Said Ralph Ranić, I never. I thought I thought he was a a lovely young lad, and. Hansjoakim and Vatska said they never had any timekeeping issues or any attitude issues. But why no. try and retcon that? Because there's reports of him being fined for going back to England to get a haircut. There's fines of there's talk of him being dropped from the squad because he was late. There's I was about to say, yeah. All this sort of stuff. We know it went on. We know it happens. We know it happened at United. Yeah. Why come out in the media and lie or is this one of those little things that you're on about where it's basically publicly backing the player and going look we we loved him we loved him here at Dortmund this is this is where we think he belongs well I mean that's the only reason I could plausibly think of and it's also the reason why you know Mourinho for instance mouths off to the press whenever his team lose or something like that you know it's more of pulling the attention from the player onto other key players at the club and when i say key players i don't mean actual players i mean key management officials whatever um if that's the case they've done pretty well because sancho started off brilliantly you know he was already in starting his second game back um it seems like he never left and if there was a if there was any option for dortmund to get sancho back permanently I know you're going to hate me saying this, but I think Dortmund should grab that opportunity with both hands. 50 million, and I'm more than happy to listen. All I'm saying. That would be a record transfer for Dortmund, probably. Uh, you know, when I say record transfer, obviously their outgoings have definitely been higher, but, you know, for the, what they've bought. But like Sancho, let's leave the Premier League <laughs> and let's head over to the Bundesliga. Oh, you got to love that. That is a... 
That is a transition and a half. So yeah, speaking of sensitive players, Leroy Sané has been grabbing a couple of headlines lately. Um, obviously, he's not the reason why Bayern aren't having a great time of it. Um, I'd say, you know, he's been one of the, if not behind Kane, the best player at Bayern this season. But there was one incident in particular during the Bremen match when Müller was subbed on and came over to him with instructions, kind of pulling him more behind to play behind Kane instead of being on the wings, where he kind of, he hears the instructions, he rolls his eyes, and in the direction of the bench kind of just, you know, like waves off, waves them off, and is kind of like, oh, come on, don't, don't give me this crap. And there has definitely been some rumblings in the German media that, uh, why is Sané now, you know, um, being disrespectful to the bench, to Tuchel? Um, he shouldn't be doing this at the age that he is. And I just wanted to know what you would think. Do you think that that warrants the media all of a sudden focusing on Leroy Sané and saying, oh, he shouldn't be doing this. He's 28. He shouldn't be. Uh, he should be one of the team leaders. He should be taking everything. And um, do you think that he gets more unfair treatment or not? Well, first off, the fact that Leroy Zane is 28 makes me incredibly sad. Exactly. Secondly, things aren't going well at Bayern at the moment. It's yeah. not a secret, but obviously they need, or the media particularly, need a scapegoat. scapegoat. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is purely the reason, but I said it to you during the week when we spoke about topics for this episode. Yeah. And you look at the similarities between this and what happens to Raheem Sterling versus the whole Phil Foden treatment by the media. So it's okay for Phil Foden, who at the time had never made an appearance for Man City's first team to buy his mum a, a plush new house with with all the all the gadgets and all that. But God forbid Raheem Sterling do that and buy himself a nice house when he's an established first team player. And I, I don't want to get too deep about this because this is a, a fun, light-hearted football podcast for people that enjoy the English and the German game. <laughs> but is it not the same sort of smell that you'd get from sort of institutional racism within the media? I mean, to a certain extent, if you look at the fact that, for instance, um, obviously maybe Jerome Boateng now with his domestic abuse uh problems probably isn't the best example but before this conviction there was a lot of talk you know around 2019 even Uli Hoeneß said you know I like Jerome Boateng as a player but you know I think he should leave the club um when in 2019 Bayern just barely managed to you know scrape um scrape a Bundesliga win um with Nico Kovac uh and you know the the DFB Pokal along with it and it's one of those things um, where you're like, mm, did he really do that much? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, Boateng, he's got his 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 fashion brand that he's also trying to bring uh, bring up, and he's got you know a lot of other little things, you know, a lot of little interests outside of the outside of football. And I was thinking, I'm sorry, but Thomas Müller has a fucking ranch, like with horses and everything, and he's not getting half the stick. 
Um, I'm inclined to say yes. The only thing is that with Leroy Sané, they've the the disciplinary things. You know, obviously he got that red card for while playing for Germany when he was um, when Germany lost to Austria uh, the last international break. It's one of those things where people are saying like he still loses his cool a little bit, and even Thomas Tuchel says he needs like one to two minutes to kind of catch himself and you know revert back to uh, being calm and collected. But even even that, he's still yeah probably the the third best player for Bayern this season. Got eighteen goals and assists. Oh, I'd say he's the second best player. Well, there we go. He's got eight goals, ten assists in seventeen matches. So he's averaging just over a goal involvement every match, which is yeah. a far cry from where we have seen him for Bayern Munich, where he's drifted in and out of matches. He's not looked, he's not looked anything like the player we know he can be. This is the player we know he can be. Exactly, and I think you know a lot of people now just grabbing this whole thing is like you said, like if if this is the one thing that they want to grab and uh, kind of run with. You know, it, which kind of brings me to the next point that, you know, we've been talking about in Thomas Tuchel in the dressing room. If he's waving off instructions from the manager, yeah, he probably shouldn't be doing that openly on the pitch in front of, you know, 75,000 people. That's probably not the best place to do it. Um, but to make that the big issue, when Thomas Tuchel is pissing off players like Leon Goretzka, like Joshua Kimmich, and just because they're not showing it, me personally, I like the fact that Leroy Sané kind of shows some emotion sometimes. Um, I didn't have like I didn't have an issue with his red card during the match against Austria personally because Germany were freaking awful that game. Nothing was working, and his red card actually was the catalyst for them to at least kind of try and save face during that game and not concede another one. Yeah, he obviously didn't help his team because he put them a man down, but. When things are going as badly, for instance, as they are for Germany as a whole in the national team, sometimes you need some player to show that at least that they care and not just see that there's a team of dejected players who just seem to not to seem to have lost the ability to care about what happens on the football put, football pitch when they are playing with the Germany shirt on. And for me, the same thing is also, you know, for Bayern, it's not going well at all. I think these days players are way too trained to not show emotion, not show that they're going, that they're not happy with something because the media absolutely smashed them the minute it happens. Um, whereas, you know, back in the day, I feel like you had a lot more players, you know, you would never have a DDA drug bug screaming. That's a disgrace after a match that was so clearly botched by officials in today's game. It just wouldn't happen because everyone's way too media trained. And that's why for me, I have no issue with, I didn't have an issue with the red card. Obviously, you know, waving off your manager mid game when you're down one nil, isn't the best look. Uh, I have to, I have to say that it's, that is what it is. But to start attacking Leroy Sané and say, you know, is he like now going to be his own downfall? Is he, you know, part of the problem at Bayern, you know, trying to grab it and make it more than it is. There are some other issues that are not, you know, clicking at Bayern. And I'm, for one, I think Thomas Tuchel still, I said it before he was appointed, and I still think that at the end of the day, something's not up, something's up there and something's not going right. 
he's not reaching the dressing room. So at the end of the day, yeah, Leroy Sané, it's he's just being made too much of a scapegoat. Yes, he could do better in some situations, like the one we've just talked about. But to make that as big of an issue as it's being made in the media, too much. Okay, so on Thomas Tuchel, not reaching the dressing room, he's sort of almost started the process of ousting Thomas Muller. He's alienating Joshua Kimmich by claiming he's not a holding midfielder when all of his career, most of his career at Bayern, other than that glorious period at right back, he's been a number six. Well, don't forget when he started his first year under Pep Guardiola in 2016 as a centre back because Bayern had no other options. A very a utility player, but mainly a six. Yeah. Leon Goretzka being kept on the bench in place of Rafael Guerrero, whose natural position is left back. Would you be surprised if this season ends trophyless for Bayern? Because at the moment, you're fighting on two fronts. You've got the Champions League and the Bundesliga, which you're now seven points behind Leverkusen. Game in hand, to be fair. Which Game in hand this night, evening, to be yeah. fair. Game in hand, to be fair. But, but would, would you be surprised, come end of the season, no trophies. You know, Harry Kane's never won a trophy in his professional career. Kingsley Coman has never had a trophy-less season. So one of those records is coming to an end at Bayern Munich this summer. Would you be shocked if Thomas Tuchel was dismissed? Because clearly there's some issues in that dressing room. It wouldn't surprise me, to be fair. Um, trophyless season, my personal opinion is they won't win the Bundesliga this season. And a second, maybe a little bit far out there one, is that they could very well end up Champions League winners at the end of the season. That is a bold clip that. Somebody clip that. I'm that is, that, back that, is my, that is my hot take, in all honesty. Dependent on the draw... I could very well see you making a final, dependent on the draw. I, I wouldn't want to call that final, but... This is also dependent on the team staying fit. Because, as we've definitely seen, the team has a very, very thin squad. Obviously, Eric Dyer was being brought in. I don't know how much of a move that is going to be, you know, to really strengthen the team, If if I'm being honest, because I think Eric... Dyer's best years were in a Tottenham shirt and they were already probably a few years ago. 2016 was that man's best year. Exactly. You know, with the Euros, arguably maybe even 2016 to 19, that period. World Cup, yeah. remember? Yeah, that, that Champions League run with Spurs. I'll, I'll allow Exactly. That in World Cup 2018, uh, he was also, a, you know, in, he was starting for England, if I remember correctly. Those were probably his best years. Now he's 30. I'd I'd argue that he was more more or less brought in because he's one of Kane's friends, if I'm being honest. Um, obviously, he was a cheap option to kind of at least shore up the defensive shortcomings that Bayern have just in terms of squad depth. But eh. so all that being said, if Bayern stay fit, I can see them making a run to the final. And then, in all honesty, 
I don't see a single team this season that has looked unbeatable for every match that they've played. Manchester City have shown that they definitely can be beaten. Real Madrid Madrid. have shown that they can be beaten. Um, Bayern have definitely shown that they can be beaten. And those, for me, are the three contenders to reach a Champions League final anyway. I don't think any other team is, unless someone surprises, which can always happen. This is football, obviously. But I'd say those are the three teams that are making it to a semifinal barred that one of those two of those teams meet earlier in the quarters. So um that's my that's my hot take. Now even if Thomas Tuchel wins the Champions League, not winning the Bundesliga could still see him ousted. We could still see a situation where like Carlo Ancelotti 2014, he wins the Champions League, wins La Decima and still manages to get the sack. Well, there we go. Possibly the end of Thomas Tuchel, even if they win the Champions League, according to the resident Bayern Munich fan. Well, yeah, obviously this is a hot take, but like I said, you know, Leon Goretzka was playing amazingly. Sorry, I just have to say this. He was playing very well up until the winter break. And Thomas Tuchel said in the press conference, it wasn't so much a decision against Goretzka as a decision for Guerrero. And Guerrero was the best man on the pitch against Basel. Sorry, but that test match against Basel was awful. So saying that he was the best man on the pitch, granted, there was probably not much to choose from. So I don't know. And especially when Leon Goretzka is one of the leaders in that dressing room. Look, if Thomas Tuchel doesn't want him, I'll have him. <laughs> exactly. But that's the, t- that's the thing. You know, there were already talks in the summer that Goretzka could leave. And Goretzka then was like, no, I'm staying at Bayern. I want to fight for my spot. And then he does. And he doesn't just fight for his spot. He manages to push Lima so that Lima's only getting game time, regular game time, that is, at right back. Just think about that for a second. Lima was brought in as, you know, to be this new, the new center back part, I mean, center defensive midfield partnership with Joshua Kimmich. That was what everyone was saying, that Goretzka's days are numbered. Goretzka managed to push Lima so that he's getting game time only if he plays a position that he doesn't normally play. So, I don't know. Goretzka's one of those leaders who, for me, just doesn't have the that charismatic side of him that, you know, for instance, a Jurgen Klopp has um, where he can really, you know, reach all parts of his team in the dressing room. So... I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves at the end of the season or he's ousted. Well, let's leave Bavaria and let's talk about everyone in Germany's least favourite team. Let's talk about Leipzig and their woes. 2024 not started fantastic. No. And against Leverkusen at the weekend, they were 1-0 up and 2-1 up and still managed to lose 3-2 to, well, let's be honest... Title contenders, Shabby Alonso's by Leverkusen. Yeah. But what's the issue? Because they also lost 1-0 at home to Frankfurt the previous week as well. So what's the issue here for Leipzig? They've got a talented squad of players. But what's the issue, do you think, for Leipzig? I don't know. For me, it's really hard to put a finger on it because, like you said, their squad is definitely not bad. They've managed to all of a sudden figure out that they have a very good, you know, t- probably one of the better goalkeepers of the Bundesliga in uh, Janis Blaswig, who 
was more or less just you know uh, you know thrown into into the deep end when Gulashi tore his ACL and now Gulashi can't get a game back in. In my eyes, they're missing that leadership of Vidi Orban, who was injured very early in the season. You know, he was that center back who kind of kept the back line together. Because in all honesty, I think um, David Romy is having a better season than he did previously. Um, at, you know, left back, Henry said right back. They've got talented players. And then obviously Xavi Simmons is an unbelievable player. It's a shame that Leipzig don't have a buy option on him. Um, PSG obviously looking at his season so far going to want him back, you know, immediately. Well, probably and, only to sell for an inflated price. Which is, yeah, which is the the sad part. He'll probably end up playing for some Premier League team, then not get any game time there because any Premier League team who could put that much money up for or would put that much money up for Xavi Simmons is probably going to be, you know, a Liverpool, a Manchester City or a Manchester United. And all of those teams have an abundance of talent and he'd just be one of many. And that's why I think to really get to that top notch player that I think he has the potential to be, he should stay at a club like like Leipzig, where he gets top notch football week in, week out, which you know you have to say for all the woes that Leipzig have, they've been playing pretty good football in the last few years as a whole. So and regular European football as well. So I think Xavi Simmons that would probably be the best option for him but it won't happen and they've got other they signed players like openda to account for uh christopher and kunku they've had omo out injured even though omo was so good uh at the beginning of the season and they've had him out injured for a few weeks or a few months even now and you know he keeps picking up little knocks and whatnot and he's st- and they still managed to perform without omo so it's hard to put a finger on exactly what's going on at Leipzig, but they can't seem to finish a game. They play well for like 70 minutes and they just give it away. It's uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because they've signed El Haf Elmas from Napoli. Yeah. But who's also not bad. Who's also not terrible, but similar to the Javi Simmons argument you just made, I think the likes of Lois Openda and Benjamin Shesko could probably stand with staying at Leipzig for like another season or two at least. Yeah. Because yeah. there there will be people that want Chesco. There will be people that want Openda. You know, there's always people sniffing around Danny Olmo, but maybe that injury record this season might put some people off. Yeah. Paying yeah. what Leipzig want. It's an interesting one when you look at the players that Marco Rosa has at his disposal. And like you said, they're a relatively new team. Which and you know the way they're owned, which is why people don't like them in Germany. But the players at his disposal, and the, I'd argue the expectations as well. Yeah, yeah. From RB Leipzig, I don't think. I mean, they're fourth at the moment. Only on goal difference are they ahead of Dortmund. So that could very quickly change with another defeat or a draw this weekend mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, yeah. But the expectations that Leipzig, with the money they've spent, with the players they've got, with the type of coach that they've got as well, surely they've got to be in that similar position to where, well, to where Leverkusen are. You would expect that. You know, um, 
especially yeah like you said especially with the money they've spent you know openda i said to you at the beginning of the season finally someone in the bundesliga is taking the massive amount of money that they've gotten from uh, a premier league club and invested a large amount of it into one player and not done a tottenham hotspur of 2013 who took the 100 mil from gareth bale and invested it into seven players of which arguably only one managed to ever become something more than a rotational premier league squad player hey nasir chadley had some fantastic moments at west brom i won't get <laughs> But you are you are right. It's, it's nice to see them reinvest that money properly. Yeah, I think Orpendo was something. I think it was thirty million. Or yeah, 30, well, thirty rising. I think so. It could go up. Yeah, because I remember something even going up to up to forty three million, if I'm not much mistaken. So, um, you know, if you look at the fact that Christopher and Kunku brought in sixty odd million, obviously, oh, you know, guys remember there are millions in euros and millions in pounds. Please. If we're misquoting, if you think we're misquoting something, please do look at the figure and maybe the currency uh, will give some clarity on that. Right. Um, just just quickly, Lewis was right. It was 43 million euros. There you go. Uh, from RC Lons. He scored 21 goals last season. Vindication! <laughs> I hate admitting I'm wrong, particularly yeah. when it's recorded, <laughs> but you know. Anyways, anyways, um, we will definitely make sure to say uh, if it's millions of euros or millions of pounds, just for clarification, we will make sure to uh, give you guys the exact figures. But anyways, if you guys think it might be a misquote on the figures, please do make sure to check out if it is euros or pounds. We are an international podcast. Um, you guys should know this by now. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, like, like, like Leverkusen, they've definitely done some, some good or had some good investments, but it's not quite clicking yet. And I'd still think, you know, defensively speaking, video Auburn, when he comes back to full strength, he will give Leipzig that extra needed shoring up at the back. But I mean, looking at Leverkusen, for instance, they still that is that is for me. I said it to you when when they were playing on Saturday. That is a title winning team. If ever I saw one, they lose two of their top defensive players to Afcon, who were regular starters at um, center back and I think it was left back, if I'm not much, much mistaken, with Edmund Tapsoba and Kusunu, um, and they still managed to come from behind and beat. A not just you know a VfL Bochum you know sorry with all due respect Bochum fans but they didn't manage to just beat like a mid-table team and come back and win it three two they managed to beat a team who have Champions League aspirations and managed to come back and win it and keep their um, their distance to the second place team so uh, if I'm being honest. Xabi Alonso has done, I mean, we've said it time and time again on this podcast, but Xabi Alonso has worked wonders at that Leverkusen side. And I think Leverkusen's players are probably at that point where they will walk through flames for Xabi Alonso. And that's why it's working so well. And that's not something that we've ever thought about RB Leipzig. But let's finish with the Bundesliga for now because there wasn't a lot to talk about in the Premier League. 
this week. So we're going to have a little bit of a look at what's going on in the Saudi Pro League. Now, I said when it all kicked off that I would have absolutely nothing to do with the Saudi Pro League. I wouldn't commentate on any of it. I wouldn't cover any of it. I wouldn't want to be involved in any way. But the wheels are starting to come off, so I'm reveling in the downfall of the league. We'll start with Imeric Laporte, who's at Al Nasser, teammates with Cristiano Ronaldo. But he's had some interesting comments that came out, so I'll just read a couple of lines that he said in an interview this past week. He said, many are dissatisfied, so he's not finding that his Saudi paradise is a, is a reality after leaving Manchester City. Very good centre-back, probably could have been used at Man City this season. Uh, they haven't made it easy for us. In fact, there are many players who are dissatisfied. You negotiate something and then they don't accept it, even after you've signed it. In terms of quality of life, I expected something different because in the end, you spend three hours a day in a car. Riyadh is a waste of traffic, of time wasted in the car. So he doesn't want to leave, apparently, but he's just given that interview to RS. He just said that the Saudi football shows a lack of seriousness, broken promises, and sloppiness. Lewis, discreet. Pretty damning words if you think about the fact that, what is he on? Something, something stupid, like 40 or 50 million a year. It has to be. Uh, he is set to earn around... £400,000 per week. And that's according to CBS on there his move go. to Al Nasser. Yeah, so £400,000. My quick maths is going to equate that to a bit over four, yeah, $40 million. A bit over $40 million a year, which Laporte wasn't going to make in Europe anytime soon. I mean, not many players in Europe do. I think the only one who comes close to that is probably Haaland and then obviously Kylian Mbappe. Um, at PSG, yeah, probably a handful of players make you know anywhere over 25 million. Um, so yeah, he was being paid stupid months, or he's still being paid stupid amounts of money, and is still giving a damning interview like that. Um, you know, in other news, Karim Benzema wants to go back to uh Europe because the standard of football in Saudi Arabia is that bad. He hasn't been to training in 17 days, even though the club has resumed training in preparation for the rest of the season after the winter break. So he's 17 days late to the return in training. And multiple media outlets have quoted this situation as being quite tense between Benzema and the club. And the club has now forced Benzema to train alone. Billy, I know you would love to have him at Manchester United, but doesn't that say a lot about a person who is being paid up to 120 million euros a year in Saudi Arabia, and he still, despite that amount of money, wants out. Yeah, it speaks volumes about the character of a man. It's uh, it's quite satisfying to see it happen to people, though. Because oh, not just one either. It's just multiple ones happening to a lot of players. You know, uh, Ronaldo was at some award ceremony during the week and doubled down on. The fact that it's probably better quality only, than Liga. Exactly. He's the only player to actually defend the Saudi Pro League and keep saying that the Saudi Pro League is better than, than the MLS. Then, like you said, he's now he's now gone and boasted of the fact that it's probably better than Liga. I'm sorry, but in no way, no uncertain terms is Saudi is the Saudi Pro League better than Liga. The Saudi Pro League, I would say, is maybe, maybe, and that's a stretch on the level of the MLS. Maybe. 
Well, there is one more, and it's quite a big one, and it it's one that I quite enjoyed uh, the downfall of, and that's Jordan Henderson. <laughs> He's left Al Etifak to join Ajax. Now, granted, I don't know what, whether this says more about Jordan Henderson or or less about Ajax's current sorry state, but it was the fastest selling Ajax shirt <laughs> of a new player in the club's history. Uh, they also had things like Jordan Henderson bedspreads for sale. You could have a Jordan Henderson throw cushion. Jesus Christ. So he's now at Ajax, having left out Etifak after playing in front of less people than Boreham would. But the interesting thing is he's not earned a penny of his £350,000 a week contract at El Etifak because he deferred his salary payments due to UK tax law and some... Some sources close to the player believe he may never be paid for six months. So he's wasted six months of his career and had to settle for a, let's be honest, an Ajax team that's not one, not what it once was. And Not what it once was. They were fighting relegation at points this season. Well, exactly. <laughs> but I wouldn't have so much of an issue with it had he not gone to El- Al-Etifak and doubled down on the fact that he was there purely from a footballing standpoint. I'm only here to grow the league. I'm only here for the betterment of my career. Jordan, mate, just tell us you're here because they're paying you nearly half a million pounds a week. <laughs> I'd have no issue with that. I mean, I still don't like him, but I would have slightly more respect for him had he not oh, left yeah. everything he did for the LGBTQ plus community and football in the, the dust, basically. At the offer of £350,000 a week. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, and I think that that's, I think the the world of football keeps showing us again and again that at the end of the day, money makes the world go round. Um, but nothing has done that like the Saudi Pro League. Just, you know, just everyone said it from the beginning, you know, they're just going there because Saudi money can buy more than what they will ever see in a lifetime, even as footballers uh, or being professional footballers themselves. The only reason Cristiano Ronaldo is still making headlines over there is probably because they've got him on the most money. Um, maybe Benzema and Henderson would stay there if they were actually making the, the 200 million euros a year that Ronaldo is. And for me, that's even sadder for us from a standpoint for cristiano ronaldo because cristiano ronaldo then obviously has just taken the payday um and and that's what his main focus and drive is at this point because no one in their right mind would say that league uh is a worse standard of football than the saudi pro league in front of a bunch of reporters and uh people ready to record every word he says if they weren't being paid 200 mil a year if i was being paid 200 mil a year i'd hope that maybe i was had showed a little bit more spine and said no um but at the end of the day i think you know 200 billion is a sum that will make most of this world's head spin so i i can't say anything about it in that sense but you know just and it's it's a lot it's very easy for us to criticize because we're not being offered 200 million a year to say whatever 
but I think for me, the critiquing point is just that, you know, some of these guys like a Benzema, like a Ronaldo have already earned more money than they will ever be able to spend over the careers in Europe. Why do you then need to also earn even more when you're, you know, you're basically promoting a country that has more than questionable human rights laws uh, or a standard of human rights and that clearly, clearly has no interest in growing their football because they're still not investing in grassroots programs. Well, also, sorry, that, that's a fantastic point, and we'll, I'll, I'll touch on it. But uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savic joined oh, yeah, Hilal yeah. from Lazio. He's also apparently told teammates or ex teammates from Lazio that he wants to rejoin the Italian club. So the grass isn't always greener. I think I mentioned it when it all kicked off. It's just the second Chinese Super League. And in yeah. the end, the Chinese officials said, well, if you're going to spend hundreds of millions of pounds on foreign talent, you have to put everything you spend over a certain amount, the exact same, into a fund for national football. Because we saw, you know, Saudi Arabia, they beat Argentina at the World Cup. That fantastic goal from Salim al-Dasawi was... Well, it was fantastic. So they clearly have a talented pool of players, but none of them are going to get a look in in their own league. Now that you've got no. money-hungry players from Europe coming over. But I do think that's probably a good place to leave it for this week. Do let us know what you think about the Saudi Pro League. Is it just a splash in the pan? Is it going to be a fad that's over in a few seasons? Or can it be a global footballing powerhouse? But as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to 50 Plus One Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 Plus One Football Show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify. But as always, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.